Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is the epistle to the Romans as recorded in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I remember when I was a child in the early 80s, my dad usually watched the Broncos football game, and there was one particular player that I really liked, maybe I shouldn't have, but I liked the show we put on. You see, when he scored a touchdown, he'd spike the ball down, he'd start moonwalking, he had this dance he did, he really boasted natural gifts. I do believe it was because of that that they eventually passed a law they'd give a penalty for showboating. Kind of enjoyed it, though, when I was a kid. I thought the moonwalking and stuff was neat. We like to boast, don't we? And let's face it, in our natural state, apart from the word of God, we would like to have something to boast before God about, not just before our fellow men. In fact, a lot of money has been spent in the idea and research into the psychological idea of self-esteem. Self-esteem is the idea of being able to boast in yourself and your natural ability so that you feel good about yourself. I like Pastor Don Matzot. He wrote a book. He titled it Christ Esteem, which takes a look at our sinful nature and understands that the only thing we can boast about truly is in Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul addresses in Romans today in his epistle. And so we see a Christian can boast in all circumstances. but It's a matter of what we boast in. So that's our first part of our sermon. What do we boast? Where can we spike the football and do the moonwalk? Allow me to preach from my own translation where I've translated the words to bring out some concepts that those words stand for. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous out of faith. See, we hear the word that Jesus died for us. The Holy Spirit works that word, creates faith. And it's because of that faith, God sees that faith that's clinging to the cross. And God declares us righteous. Notice it said this happened in the past and has the ongoing result. God looks at you and he sees Christ's righteousness. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous out of faith, we continue having peace before God through our Lord, namely Jesus Christ. God is no longer our enemy. We have peace, the the Greek actually in the preposition would be in God's face. In the presence of God, we have peace. 
And so we have a peace in this world we can boast about. I am right with God. Not because of myself. Oh, no. We're told in verse 2, through him we also have possession of the access into this grace within which we have been standing. Because Christ died for us, because the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Son working through that message to give us faith, It says we own something. We have owned it for a while now. The minute that Holy Spirit is put in your heart, you own this. Picture a room. A room where there's a great king who has a throne. And you own a section right in front of that throne. We call it prayer, brothers and sisters in Christ. You own a section right in front of God's throne. You can pray to him. And he assures you he hears and answers your prayers. And because you own this, heaven is actually being in the presence of God. So what does that tell you about what's going to happen when you die? You own the access. So we have something to boast about. When your friends are in trouble, you can boast, not in a self-righteous way. That's what a Pharisee would do. You could boast, let me pray to God for you. I own a piece of property right in front of his altar. He will hear my prayer. What comfort. And so we're told, and since we have peace before God as a result of our being declared uh, righteous, we also are continually boasting in it upon the basis of the confident expectation for the glory of God. A mouthful is said there. Uh, What was it? uh, Two weeks ago, the Colorado lottery uh, went up to $500 million, I believe it was. And, you know, I hoped I would win it. But my hope there really was one that I knew I wasn't going to win it because I have not bought a lottery ticket. In America, we think of the word hope with a lot of disappointment. But scripturally, the principle for hope is a confident expectation. We have a new man in us, our new woman that the Holy Spirit has created that confidently expects something. It's confident in the glory of God. See, when the Holy Spirit enters your heart, he unites you to Jesus Christ in the mystical union of all believers. That new person in you that the Holy Spirit has created, it is God's glory. It's the new man. The old sinful nature fights against it. That's that's another story. But we have this confident expectation. And because our faith shows the glory of God, your glory, the glory of God is reaming out on you this morning because you've come to hear the word of God. Just beaming out. Maybe we can't see it with sinful eyes, but it's there. And because of that, Jesus has promised you a new and glorified body. It will shine with the glory of God. That's yours. You have confident expectation. The sinful nature fights against it, but that new man with the Holy Spirit says, that's mine. We can boast about it. Not in and of ourselves, we can boast. There's a glory that I have that's God's. There's a glory that I'm going to have that is God's. We're told, and we are not only continually boasting in this, but we are also continually boasting in our troubles that cause suffering. Now, last week I preached that when these troubles come upon us, this is Romans chapter 8, that it's not God punishing us. And the question came up, well, what's the difference between God punishing us and God disciplining us? Some of the earlier English translations didn't know the difference, but there is a difference in concept. See, God punished Jesus on the cross for our sins. That's God's punishment. Punishment for our sin. If it is not, then John 3.16 is a lie. Jesus' words are a lie. Isaiah 53 are a lie. But God does discipline us. And what that means is he'll let us suffer the consequences of a sinful action in this world. He'll let us suffer the world's consequences. 
to help curb us so that we do not embrace that sin and chase the Holy Spirit out of our heart. So the punishment for sin is Jesus Christ on the cross. If you reject it, it's an eternity in hell. But God disciplines us so that we cling to that cross and and don't end up in hell. So it's curbing, if you will. But we can rejoice. When the the world has has troubles that cause suffering, what do they do? They pout. Why is God doing this to me? My life is miserable. And sometimes I would look at him and say, boy, I'd be whining even more than you are if I was that. But the Christian can boast. Again, it's not in ourselves. The apostle explains, he says, because we have perceived it. We've seen this in our lives. We've seen it in the word of God. And this gives us a knowledge that continues. We have perceived that this affliction produces, and the word for produces thoroughly works out. It works this very well. It, it produces endurance. When somebody's going to run a long race, what do they do? They exercise. They run that race at morning after morning by themselves so that their body will endure it. When God allows affliction to come upon us, he is not punishing us. We can rejoice because he's actually exercising our faith so that as the hardships of life come on, we endure. We don't fall from the faith. We can boast in that strange thing. Wow, thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this hard time. Because you are strengthening my faith. I might not be able to see it now, but I know that's what you're doing. So he says, and then this endurance, we're in verse 4, then this endurance thoroughly works out or produces a tried and true character. We looked at Abraham uh, and God told him to sacrifice Isaac last week. And I mentioned that the Bible has two words, whether Hebrew or Greek, for testing. The one is, is this gold or not? The other is, what carrot gold is this? And I mentioned when God tests us, God, God knows all things. He's not doing it for his benefit. God knows all things. He's doing it for our benefit. A tried and true character, as we go through hard times and survive them, God is trying to say, thank you, Lord. I see my faith clung to you or I failed. And so this next time now I'll be stronger to cling to you. A tried and true character. God is proving to us, therefore, through these, that we have the faith to cling to him or strengthen our faith so it does. And he says, and then this tried and true character produces confident expectation. Again, that word for hope that according to our new man says, I know once again that God has worked through all this for me. I've seen it. The next time I go through hard times, I can say, okay, Lord, I don't know what you have in mind, but I can be confident you are working for the strengthening of my faith. I'm confident that you're keeping me in my salvation through this. And this confident expectation does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Lots of times there's Hollywood movies made about a little kid whose dad is the no good person in town and dad's kind of the liar and he promises the kid for, for his birthday he's, he's going to get the circus to come and the kid tells all the kids in his class, circus coming, it's my birthday and all the kids come running behind him after school and he runs into the backyard and dad's passed out drunk on the grass and the kid is put to shame. The Apostle Paul is telling us through all this working we can boast because God is not going to drop us like that. Uh-uh. Why? He's poured out his Holy Spirit like a container full into your hearts. That is faith. He's poured out his love through that Holy Spirit. That's the forgiveness of sins. That's the fact that even the things we want to grumble about in this life, God's using for our good so we can actually boast. God is at work for me, strengthening my faith through this because we've been given the Holy Spirit. 
So yes, in the Lent season, as we focus on our sin and our Savior's death, we Christians can boast in all circumstances, and we want to do that during the Lent season, because we do have something to boast about. We have a Savior who has sent His Holy Spirit, so we cling to that cross, so we know God is ruling over all creation for us. We know that we can pray to Him and He answers our prayers. We know we are His children, His love is in us. But how are we able to boast this way? Verse 6 says, In fact, while we on our part were still helpless, powerless. Okay, I've been stuck in Wyoming before. I've been stuck in the mud deep out in the Wyoming woods hunting elk and stuff like that where you dig and dig and dig and dig and you're just spinning your tires. That's how we are in our sin. The only way we're going to get out of the mud hole of our sin is if somebody else pulls us out, comes along. We are that stuck. It's not even a matter of waiting until it dries up in a few weeks. We are stuck. So we're told, while we on our part were still helpless, Christ even died at the appropriate time for the godless is the word the Apostle Paul uses. We are mean, lean, God-hating machines in our natural condition. We can only hate God. We won't love Him. But God, 2,000 years before you and I were conceived, nearly 2,000 years, He died for us. And God had ruled over time in history. That was the time to do it. It was God's timing, and and He made history work with that. So He explains, For you see, scarcely will someone die for an upright person. You know, a good man, we would call him, maybe. Somebody who stands out in history. Somebody might be willing to die for them, you know. The old story where where a soldier steps in place of another soldier and and takes the bullet. It happens. It doesn't happen every day. The Apostle Paul uses this. In the future, it can possibly happen. Yet the Apostle Paul, while using that future tense, is telling you, keep this eye on the past for something that did, in fact, happen, like I said, nearly 2,000 years ago. So you see, uh, he continues on with that. However, someone just might be daring enough to die for a good person. And, and the Greek word, the inspired Greek word used for good is somebody who actually benefits you. Somebody who gives things to you, is generous with you, works for your good. You know, sometimes because that person has done that, it's built a love in for us. And maybe we'd say, you know what, I'm going to step into your place. This is more common, but it's still very rare, isn't it? So the Apostle Paul says, look at how rare this is. And one person can only die for one other person, unless you're God, and then you can die for the whole world. So he says, yet God lays out the evidence of his own love for us, lays it before our eyes. You can see it. There it is. In the fact that while we on our part were still sinners, Christ died in our place. How can we boast? Because of the power of God. Because the word of God tells you, God, while you and I were his enemies, went to work for us, saved us. Saved us 2,000 years nearly before we were conceived. So a Christian can boast in all circumstances. What do we boast? We boast in Christ. We boast in the possession he's given us access to the throne of God. We boast in the righteousness, Christ's righteousness that's been credited to us. How are we able to boast? Because Christ died for us. He was not weak. He was God. He is God, remains God, who became man. So with what certainty then can we boast? That's the last part of our sermon. Verse 9 says, Therefore, since we have already been declared righteous, but he adds, only within the boundaries of his blood. We're not righteous in and of ourselves. If we want to boast before God about things we've done, decisions we've made, actions we've done, no, we can only do this within the blood of Christ. There's the certainty for us. So therefore, since we've already been declared righteous only within the boundaries of his blood, 
then how much more certain is it that we will be saved through him from God's wrath? Again, God's wrath is hell. God's wrath is being abandoned by him for your sin for all eternity. The Apostle Paul argues from the greater to the lesser. Since the blood of Christ has been poured upon you, you're confident because the Holy Spirit's been given unto you, you can be certain that you are saved. So long as that Holy Spirit's in your heart, God has poured out his wrath for your sin on Jesus, not on you. In fact, if while we kept on being enemies with God, we were changed from enmity to friendship with God through his Son, then how much more certain is it that we will be saved only within the boundaries of his life? We were enemies from God. Jesus Christ came, turned us, put a 180 degree turn there, made us God's friends. God's children is the word he's using. But again, this only comes within the boundaries of Christ's life. We have eternal life only in connection with Christ's life. But as long as we have that Christ life, the Apostle Paul argues again from the greater, then we have a certainty. He says, we are certain that we will be saved. It's ours. I always worry about that. What if I fall from this faith? And, and God gives us the gospel when we're worrying about that. God says, my son's got this. You're connected to him. When we're stuck in a sin and we're not worrying about if we're going to be saved because we're chasing the Holy Spirit out of our heart, then God sends his law to us to wake us up. Gives us a thump upside the head, if you will. So while we're worried about that, God's words of comfort are to you. In Christ's life, you're saved. You're connected to him. You have life in him. And so in verse 11, the apostle says, And not only this, but we also keep on boasting only within the boundaries of God. I like that guy when I was a kid. He'd spike down the football and stuff. His boast was in his abilities. Our boast is in God, and it shines out with us. We keep on boasting through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Through whom we... All We have already received this reconciliation. We've already been reconciled with God. We are now his children so long as we have that Holy Spirit in our heart. So we can boast with absolute certainty. So we've seen a Christian can boast in all circumstances. Our boasting is not in and of ourselves. It's a Christ esteem. It's boasting in Christ's righteousness. What, are, what do we boast? We boast Christ's righteousness. We boast that we have access to the throne of God. We boast that we have the keys. You somebody stuck in a sin and they say, what can I do? Their conscience burning wings say, you know what? I got a key that'll remove that. It's the blood of Christ. Boast in that, brothers and sisters in Christ. You do so to God's glory. How are you able to boast? Because 2,000 years ago, nearly, Jesus Christ died for your and my sins. He's put his Holy Spirit in our hearts, so it's ours. With what certainty are we able to boast? So long as that Holy Spirit's in our heart, the blood of Christ is ours, the life of Christ is ours, we're connected to him in a mystical union, we won't be let down. We have that certainty. Amen. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.